it's really good to be with you. And um, I just want to share a couple of things that have occurred to me, um, starting off with Matthew chapter 9. And I'm sorry, it won't come up on the screens, I don't think, because I haven't told anybody <laughs> what to put up. Um, it's a bit of a change for me, if I'm honest. I haven't preached for about three years because I laid it down, because I realized that it was quite a thing for me. For me, preaching was what I really loved to do and I really wanted to do it. And it, was a, it had become a part of my identity. And the time had come when really it was difficult to find that identity because opportunities to preach were becoming fewer and fewer. And it was stressful. And so I said, Lord, I'm going to lay this down. I just lay it down. And do you know, I've been so peaceful since. <laughs> and from being sitting in a meeting and thinking, oh, I could do better than that. <laughs> I sit in a meeting and I think, Lord, thank you. I, I don't know. Um, this is one of my problems speaking here, is I don't feel I can match up the guys that you've got regularly speaking. You know, so for me, I had to, I, Rob said to me twice, just off the cuff, Dad, do you fancy preaching then? Dad, do you fancy preaching? I said, no. No, not interested. And, uh, <laughs> well, you know that's a change for me anyway. <coughs> but afterwards, I thought about it. I thought, Lord, am I being wrong? Because one thing I know is that God's brought us here to support the church and to support Rob. And if it's a support for Rob that I should preach, then perhaps I ought to. So, you be quiet. <laughs> so I sent him a text and said, I really feel insecure, but if you want me to, if it'll help you, I will. So, here I am. So, what I want to share with you is a little bit of our story, and I'm going to answer the question that people have asked us time after time now. Oh, so you've just moved to Birmingham. Where have you come from? Hampshire. Why on earth have you come from Hampshire to Birmingham? So, I'm trying to give you a bit of an answer. Jill will help me. So, I want to read to you from Matthew chapter 9, and um, it's really from verse 18. As Jesus was saying this, the leader of a synagogue came and knelt down before him. My daughter has just died, he said, but you can bring her back to life again if you just come and lay your hand upon her. As Jesus and the disciples were going to the official's home, a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe, for she said to herself, If I can just touch his robe, I will be healed. Jesus turned around and said to her daughter, Be encouraged, your faith has made you well. And the woman was healed at that moment. And then Jesus went to the Jairus' house and the little girl was healed. 
Then verse 27, it says, After Jesus left the girl's home, two blind men followed along behind him, shouting, Son of David, have mercy on us. They went right into the house where he was staying, and Jesus asked them, Do you believe I can make you see? Yes, Lord, they told him, we do. Then he touched their eyes and said, Because of your faith, it will happen. And suddenly they could see. Jesus sternly warned them, Don't tell anyone about this. But instead, they spread his fame all over the region. (coughs) Two things that occurred to me as I read this. The first one, I had never realized before that these two blind men followed Jesus into the house. And it never struck me before. And, you know, he'd been in Jairus' house, the synagogue leader's house. And when he left that house, and these two men followed him. And I just think, here's Jesus walking down the road, and these two guys, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus carries on walking. And he walks right into the house. And they walk right in after him. And you know, it's amazing, isn't it? For me, Jesus being in the house has been very significant all our married life. We, about 50 years ago now, um, yeah, it would have been 50 years ago now, we, we decided to get together. I thought, she's quite nice, I like her. I must admit to having spent quite a bit of time seriously considering this, because I had just left college, gone up and started teaching in Shropshire, and um, I had to go back down to Exeter to see Joe. And um, I sort of considered... And it's a good thing for you guys and girls to do. Before you get married, you want, this is the question you want to consider. Can I face waking up next to her for the next 40-odd years? And I thought, yeah, I could do that. <laughs> so, 50 years ago, and um, just before we got married, a month before we got married, in fact, we had a council house because I was teaching, they said we could have a council house. So we were given this brand new council house. And the first thing we did was we went in and we prayed. And we said, Father, God, we just want to commit this home to you. To be a place where people come and find the love of Jesus. And the presence of God. And that's what we set out to do in our home. And I want to tell you that time after time after time, that has happened. People have come and they've met Jesus. And it's not just talking about ages ago. I'm talking about last year. And I'm talking about a few years ago. And I know you're going to be... We we were doing a marriage course as though we needed it. (laughs) Just a couple of years ago. And um, actually it was very, very useful. Very good. (laughs) 
one of the things that we we did was I'd write down the things that we we wanted God to do in us in the next twelve months. What were the thing areas that we needed God to do? So you write it down as a letter to God, really. And um, and then the next year we did this course again because we were helping as uh, facilitators, weren't we? So next year we did it and uh, come back to the same point. I have to write. Hey, and I read the things that I'd written last year. I thought, wow, God's done all that. How amazing, you know? So we wrote some more then. We didn't do it the next year. But one part of the, part of the course was um, working through with couples. I remember one couple that they were quite a problem. And um, and so we saw them an extra period of time, you know, in our home. They came and said, come round and just share. And they came round and just there was just so many problems. They just couldn't settle things. And um, so we said, let's pray. Come Holy Spirit. And that was it. The Holy Spirit came, and wow, we didn't have to say anything else. Something happened in them. Now, I don't think their marriage has ever been sorted out. But they received something, they felt something, they understood something. It could have, if only one of them had let go. (laughs) You know, it takes two and if you're both arguing, if you're both fighting, if you're both striving, somebody has got to let go. And they didn't. But they certainly felt a peace of God like they never felt before. And I'm going to ask Jill to come because I don't know where I'm going now. Just going back to the story that Pete's just said about the blind men following Jesus into the house. You know, they were blind. How they saw down the road, I really don't know. They followed Jesus. They must have followed his voice or something, but they were blind. You know, and we can be spiritually blind, okay? We're not blind in our eyes, but we can be spiritually blind. And I had this lady come. It was a Freedom in Christ course we did, and I was doing a Freedom prayer appointment. I, I don't know, somebody here doing Freedom in Christ and I just want to encourage whoever it is who's doing it. Um, and this freedom appointment came to our house, of all places. And this dear lady came in, and she was burdened with so many things. And she came in quite dark, just loaded down with problems and didn't really know where to turn. But she really wanted, in her heart, she wanted to become clear. She wanted to be free of all the things that had held her back for so long. She was desperate to be released Anyway, she came in and we started going through the progress and the process of the Freedom in Christ appointment. And it got to a place where she said, you know, we'd done a lot of confession and all that sort of thing and forgiveness and I'm sorry, all this sort of thing. And came to she said, Jill, there's something more. I, I just don't know what it is. I, I can't, I've got to get to the bottom of it. I, I can't find it. I can't see it. I don't know what it is. So I said, okay, let's just wait on the Lord. Just just be quiet. We'll just be quiet and let the Spirit of God come and speak into your heart what it is, because I believe that God will show you. And we just sat there. We just very quietly, so the girl and I were, were doing this freedom appointment. And we sat there and we waited. And I said after a minute or so, anything coming yet? And she said, 
mm, sort of. Okay, we'll leave it a little bit longer. We just sort of, Holy Spirit, come, come and speak into her. Come and reveal to her the great burden that's in her heart. Anyway, I said, I said again, another couple of minutes. Anything? Is she, yeah. And it, out it came. Out it came. It was like streams, torrents and torrents and torrents of all these things, all this bitterness, all this hurt, all this disappointment, everything. And she sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. And do you know, when that girl looked up, her eyes were clear. When she went, came into the room, she was heavy. But the darkness had gone, light had come, because the Spirit of the Lord had caused her to see where she couldn't see before. And I just reminded with this story about these blind men. They went in blind, but they came out seeing, and they had a testimony. But people could see the difference in those people. They didn't have to say, I've been healed, because it was actually evident. People could see that now they could see. But this lady, the same, she's didn't have to go out and tell everybody. You could see her eyes. In fact, interestingly enough, she had to go into hospital a couple of weeks later. And she was quite a, um, a bolshy sort of lady. You know, she's quite this sort of person. And she went into hospital. <laughs> Sorry about that one. And she went into hospital. And she said, after she came back for a second appointment, actually. And she goes, you know, Jill, she said, I can't believe it. She said, I was going around everywhere. I was telling everybody about Jesus. I was praying for people in the ward. Never believe it. But God... They'd done something. And it wasn't because of me. It's because God came and opened her eyes to see truth. And the thing about that is that other people saw it as well. People said, God, what's happened too? They noticed the difference. So, our home um, was a home where... We had people coming in and out all the time. So we want to say to you, our home's still an open home. So you can just drop in, let us know. And um, because we were like that, we moved from Broadstone to Exeter. And we thought people there would have open home. And uh, so we turned up at the elder's house one evening, really wanting him his wisdom, his counsel, and his prayer. And he opened the door, and he said, Oh. I said, yeah, hi. Oh, he said, well, we're watching television. You can come in and join us if you like. I said, no, thanks. It's okay. We'll go away. And we went away. You know, I don't think that was like that with the blind men. I wonder whether the house where Jesus went was really an open. And the thing is that home, our house, is a place to pray. It's a place to practice prophecy. It's a place to encourage each other. It's a place where you can learn to take authority in situations. And um, in our home in Broadstone, we so often experienced the powerful presence of Jesus. And then, as we said, we moved to Exeter. And when we went in Exeter, I soon realized that we hadn't got there what we had just left. In fact, I was only in the first Sunday morning meeting, and I thought, oh, wow. What a difference. We had people coming 
when we had our meetings and saying, wow, the presence of God here is, is tremendous. But we hadn't realised. And I think, for us, why have we come to Soliol? Well, first we heard Robin Allison telling us about the things that God was doing amongst you. And we thought, wow, that's just what we want to be in. That's where we want to be. So we'd come up and we'd come and see you a few times. And those few times that we came up, we said, wow, yeah, this is where we want to be. This would be really lovely. And about five years ago, Robin Allison said, we'd love you to come up and join us. And we said, no, thank you. We're going to stay down south, which is where we like to be. So we stayed down south. And just honestly, we've been as miserable as can be. <laughs> and getting more and more miserable. And not finding anywhere where we can... I mean, it's good churches down there, but we couldn't find the place to be home. Do you know? And... I just want to tell you, what you've got here is precious. And what it is, is is Jesus is in the house. Jesus is here. And just the opportunity, like you had this morning, to give, share testimony, to bring tongues, interpretation, to bring worship. You know, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. And to hear God speak specifically into situations it's amazing so after the long period of really being in problems in about march april april i think it was may i said all right lord if you want us there you you need to open the way so we came up for the weekend and and my prayer was lord if this is of you, then you sell our house and find us somewhere this weekend. <laughs> well, Rob thought I was ridiculous. He said, no, you're going to have to move up and then find somewhere. You're going to have to rent somewhere. And I just can't do that. But we came up. Our house sold that Saturday. We found somewhere else, not the place where we moved to, but we found somewhere else that we were able to negotiate for. And, um, and we said, okay, we're going. Because we discovered in the meantime that all four of our children had spoken together at Christmas and realised that mum and dad should be in Solihull. And so we were sort of given our packing cases and told <laughs> to get going. You know. Which was quite really good because that was one of the big things for us coming here, was leaving Debbie and the two children down there. So we came... We didn't get the house that we went for, and, you know, God was in that. In fact, the guy who came to do our central heating, he said, oh, you're better off in this house. So we've now got a lovely three-bedroom bungalow. Actually, it's, it's more space than the three-bed semi-house that we just left. It's much better for us. And the area is lovely. <laughs> we don't live in Birmingham. We live in Worcestershire. And we live in Hollywood. So when we told people that we were moving to Hollywood, we then slightly dropped it in just outside Birmingham. But I want to encourage you to start thinking about your home 
as well as, you know, you go out, you witness to people, you talk to people. I wonder if there are people who will follow you home. I wonder if there are people who will be drawn in to the context of where you live and what you do. And people who do come, you know, what do they find when they come to your home? And um, when we were down in Exeter, a lovely brother, uh, Rob's mentioned him before, Dave Weatherly, lovely guy. We were talking to him once about how un- unhappy we were feeling in, in Exeter. And uh, he, was, he was a single, lovely, godly man. And in the car, he, he said, well, you know what? He said, you're not in good ground. It's not good ground for you here. You need to go and find good ground and put down roots. And we've sort of thought of that a lot. We've been in various bits of good ground. But, you know, when we came up here, the, the weekend after we moved up, there was the first hub meeting, and Rob invited us to come. And Simon Horn, Adrian Horner, he, he gave this prophetic word to me about you're going to be planted in good ground. You're going to be in new ground. You're going to be a new river. And, and I thought, wow, that's wonderful. Let it happen, Lord. And uh, so when we came up a couple of weeks ago, saw Adrian again, and he came to me and he said, i got a word for you. He said, I feel God's going to let you put down roots and bring forth abundant fruit quickly. So, wow, that's amazing. Somebody's come up to me in the meeting this morning and said, you're here to contribute, to be yourself, and to give. I've asked him to write it down because I can't remember it all. (laughs) But, you know, God's on our case, and he's on yours too. So that wherever you are, that's the whole point, wherever you are, God is. And he's working through you and for you. Now, I just want to point out another little bit in this chapter. Um, You know when it says about the lady that she she had um, that's right, the lady who had a hemorrhage for 12 years came up behind him. She touched the fringe of his robe. It says for she thought or for she said to herself. I was quite taken with that because in one of the translations it suggests to me that she was saying to herself as she pushed through the crowd if I can just but touch the hem of his garment if I can only touch the hem of his garment if I can only touch the hem of his garment I know I shall be healed and I looked it up the word for said is lego and it means laid out you know, just like Lego. See? So the word for to within herself or to herself, it has the sense of she'd come to this settled opinion. She'd come to this understanding. So this wasn't just something that appeared, oh, I know, I'll touch his garment, that might work. No, this was something that she worked out for herself. It had come to her a sense of understanding if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. You know, and when Jesus, uh, when Mark writes about it, he says, Jesus said someone had definitely touched him. 
purposefully touched him. And he felt something go out of him. You know, what an amazing thing that she had come to this. And you know, there are times when you just need to come to a settled understanding. Nothing else works. That's what I've got to do. And we came to the understanding, it ain't working. What we've got to do is move. You know, and so we're here. I want to share with you another bit. In Ezekiel 37... You all know Ezekiel 37 is the valley of dry bones. And the Lord took hold of Ezekiel and said, took him away into this valley filled with bones. If you, if you read through Ezekiel, you'll come across statements time after time after time that says people are going to be, are going to die. People are going to be killed because of their sin, because of God's judgment upon them. And, and I began to think, wow, this is, this is interesting. <laughs> because here he comes to this valley and is full of dry bones. It's full of all the people who've died as it's gone through the chapters. And, through, and it's all the people of Israel, he says. And, um, and then he says, well, I don't know, Lord, but you know. And then he says in verse 4, Speak to these bones, or in other versions, prophesy to these bones and say, Dry bones, listen to the word of the Lord. And then, in a little bit later on, he says, Speak to the winds, or prophesy to the winds. This is what the sovereign Lord says Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bodies so that they might live. You know, you look out and the situation is desperate. He says, prophesy into that situation. Later on in verse 11, it says, Son of man, these bones represent the people of Israel. They are saying, we have become old, dry bones. All hope is gone. Now give them this message. I'm going to do something about it. And then, as I was reading that, I just felt, this is a promise. This is not something I have to do. This is something that God says, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to make your old dry bones live again. I'm going to send my spirit into you again. I'm going to quicken you. And as I was contemplating this, it was on the morning of the last hub leaders just a couple of weeks ago and I thought oh I wonder if this is something for me or if this is something I need to share oh I think it's for me I think it's and then dear old I don't know why but dear old um, Adrian he came to me again with this word you know you're going to put roots down and you're going to grow and you're going to bring forth fruit. I thought, Lord, thank you. That's a confirmation of what I've just read. But you know what? I wonder whether some of you feel you're dry. Well, it was really all exciting once upon a time, but actually now's the time when it's all a bit sort of level and dried and dead. And I want to say... Speak to your bones. 
prophesy to your situation. Jill's been saying this over years now. Speaking into situations. Commanding the blessing. Bringing forth the truth. You know, and really declaring it. And sometimes, you know, we spend our time praying about situations when really we might need to be commanding the situation, prophesying into the situation, speaking the truth into it. It's all very well to say, I feel fed up. It might be better to say, but I'm going to enjoy the life of God. I'm going to speak life. I'm going to speak peace. I'm going to speak truth into my situation. So, I don't know what what God wants to say to you. I don't know whether he wants to encourage you in your home. We had a couple coming to our home quite regularly. And every time they came, they would be at each other all the time. And they would come and stay with us. And uh, and I before the next time they came, I said, Lord, this isn't right. This isn't how we are in our home. This isn't what we want in our home. So in Jesus' name, we put a barrier over our door. As they come into our home, that ceases. And we pray the peace of God over our doorstep as they come in. And you know, they came lots of times afterwards, but that stopped. We didn't have that anymore. What's your home like? Is there a barrier of peace over your door? Jesus said, when you go into someone's home, declare peace to this house. If the peace is received... It'll stay. If it's not, just take it away with you. Do you take peace into your home? Into other people's homes? Do you take peace into your place where you work? Do you take peace into your car as you give somebody a lift? Lord, let your peace come into this car today. Let your peace come into this shop as I walk through. Let the peace of Jesus be on you and in you. You have it. Take it with you. It's yours to give away. Did you realize that? It's yours to give away. And the presence of Jesus is yours to spread abroad as you go. Amen.